You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. International success coach and noted author, Constance Arnold, delivers life-changing strategies through her own spiritual practices, as well as with best-selling authors and experts that she interviews. Think, Believe, and Manifest is specially designed to empower your mind and words to work for you and to bring about a life you've been dreaming of. And now, here's Constance Arnold. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. And of course, I am Constance Arnold, host of the Think, Believe, and Manifest talk show. And today I am broadcasting from simply magnificent, uh, beautiful, amazing Atlanta, Georgia, also known as the ATL. And if you're listening uh, today, uh, guess what? It is not an accident. As a matter of fact, uh, the Spirit of God has attracted you here, speaking of the law of attraction, so that you can receive the the downloads, the insight, the revelation, the answer uh, to your prayer so that you can live more fully and abundantly in uh, what you are called to do on the earth. Well, uh, it is a beautiful day here in the ATL. It's been a great week. It's been a really, really hot week, but I ain't complaining. You know what I'm saying? You know, one thing I want to say really up front is we really need to pray for all of the people in the Bahamas. For all my listeners in the Bahamas, I've been really praying for you. So listeners all over the world, remember to pray for um, all of the people in the Bahamas who experienced a really devastating hurricane this week. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking, you know, some of them don't have shower, food, they're in the heat no water, and not to mention the psychological devastation. And so that's why wherever you are right now, you really need to be grateful. And just personally, I'm going to research to um, find if there's a way that I can volunteer my services to help with some of the psychological uh, needs of the people in the uh, Bahamas. I really love there have been there many, many times. Okay, my very special guest today is Rashid Edwards. He's going to be talking about how to heal, release, and manifest. Anybody interested? You know, a lot of times we're trying to manifest when we got unresolved soulish issues. So I cannot wait to hear what he has to say. Remember to visit visit me. I got that out on social media. Uh, on Instagram is LOA Constance and the same is for Twitter on Facebook Coach with Constance. You know, I was just thinking the other day, I talk a lot about attracting love, but I realized that for years I was a marriage family and couple therapist. So got a question for all some of you married folk or who are in a committed relationship. Are you in a relationship, but you're not happy? You might feel stagnant. You may feel like you're more like roommates than lovers. You know, are you in the midst of a loveless relationship? I know so many people that are. So if you are, I want you to reach out to me. I would love to work with you because, you know, really the only person that you can change is yourself. You cannot change your partner. I need to say that with a loudspeaker. 
And the questions might be, what changes can you make within yourself to bring more of what you love in life into your own life? Uh, How can you begin to set boundaries with your partner? How can you begin to communicate how you feel without getting in an argument? You know, it's a way that you can say something. How can you ask for what you want from your partner without conflict? And yes, I'm going to talk about sex communication, and the power of doing recreational things together. You know, they say that if a couple can learn to walk through difficulties, walk through conflict, and they have sex, communication, and recreational time and interest together, that that relationship really has an extraordinarily um, high chance of really being a happy, loving, giving, mutual, reciprocal relationship. So all of y'all married folk out there, Usually it's the woman who comes first, but who cares? That doesn't matter. But you don't want to be living your life just in a loveless, stagnant, unhappy relationship. And the question is, what can you do? Or more importantly, who can you become? That is the question. So email me at Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com. All of you, if this show is changing your life, go to my website and hit the donate button. I am thanking you in advance. I think that is it, everybody. We're going to go to these quick uh, commercials and then I'm going to be back with Rashid Edwards and he's going to be talking about how to heal, how to release and then how to manifest. So stay tuned. Do you have an upcoming event where you need a dynamic speaker? Constance Arnold is a sought-after keynote speaker that will enlighten the entire audience with proven strategies that are aligned with your organization's vision and mission. An experienced speaker for major Fortune 500 companies, Constance has entertained audiences with inspiring change. Constance would love to make your next event an extraordinary success. Contact her today at Constance at FulfillingYourPurpose.com. For the past 30 years, Constance Arnold has coached clients globally in the areas of relationships, wealth, and career. Her vast clinical background gives her extraordinary understanding of human behavior to accelerate manifestation. Every coaching client receives proven action plans to create change from the inside out. Constance will be right by your side. Talk to her today at Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com. Well, everybody, I'm back and I'm really excited about my guest today. We are blessed. My very special guest is Mr. Rashid Edwards. He is a speaker. He's an author. He's a coach. He's an expert on the mind, the subconscious mind, mental infinity, and all of that brain stuff. And today, he's going to be talking to us about how to clear up unresolved issues in our lives so that we could build, uh, live our best life or how to deal with, identify, and change all of the stuff that's in our lives so that we can manifest our dreams. Uh, We're going to be blessed. Open up your mind. Open up your spirit. So, uh, Rashid Edwards, welcome back to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's it's always such a blessing to be able to speak with you and have these conversations about healing. And so um, I am very much grateful that you are having me back. And hopefully the listeners can find quite a bit of value from what we share today. Well, you know, Rashid, I kid you because I had Rashid to speak at my conference. And uh, I said, Rashid, I don't know if I'm having you back because of your deep voice or because <laughs> you're so smart about the mind and the subconscious. It might be both. You know, I, I, I don't know. But uh, when we when we talked last, um, you I felt the urgency kind of like in your spirit. You said, Constance, I got something I really want to share you know, with listeners around, you know, dealing with the inside. So uh, tell listeners just a little bit more about you. And then I'm going to roll. I'm going to read a little poem. Then we're going to get started. Okay. Um, thanks again. So, mm-hmm. yes, one of the things that I've really just, that's been real heavy on my, my heart and my conscience is mm-hmm. this notion of dealing with our inner world and our unresolved issues from those inner experiences. And so being a clinical mental health clinician, I've really come across some of the most acute and severe mental health issues. And what I'm seeing is that to a a great degree, some of these things are, you know, still on the same level as what we're dealing with Mm -hmm. in terms of it's just that those issues have not been resolved and they've caused the brain to go into a hyper sense of homeostasis where it's trying to protect itself. And so a lot of times you get certain conditions that are a result of the brain trying to correct and protect itself. So I thought, you know, in reflection on some of the talks that we've had Mm -hmm. and in sharing with your audience that It still comes back to that same stuff and we need to get a little more clarity and find ourselves working a little more harder on those inner issues. Yeah, I'm going to read something. I love this poem. I've used this poem a lot in my practice. So it's it's, it's entitled, I Walk Down the Street. So it says, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. I walk down the street, the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time for me to get out. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It's not my fault. I get out immediately. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. I walk down another street. And, you know, Rashid, I don't know what you're going to say, but I read that poem because I know in my life, I've always told my listeners next to my relationship with God. It was me walking down another street 
that changed my life. And the way I did that was through my support groups, my counseling, my share groups, because I kept falling in that hole and going down the same street. So we believe in the day we're going to teach people how to walk down another street. So where do you want to start, Rashi? What did you think about that poem? Well, I think that was very much on par with what we're going to be discussing because okay. what we're doing is, like you said, um, we're going to ultimately find a path to another street. But in order to do so, we have to look at the holes that we've been falling into. And in addition to looking at those holes, we have to kind of find our responsibility and accountability portion of it so that we'll be able to move to another street, okay. you know, because as it said, the first couple of times it was like, it wasn't my fault. And so at, at a certain point, you, the person walking down that street realizes, wait a minute, there are things that I can do that it's not completely out of my hands, you know? And I think that's the beauty of, of how the creator has created us in that we have, we have our cognitive faculties, you know, we're able to think and make choices in a matter that we can change the trajectory of our existence. You know, in one situation, we could be stuck. And in a whole nother situation, when we choose healing, when we choose love, when we choose gratitude, when we choose God, you know, then we find ourselves capable of moving in another direction. Okay, so go ahead. I'm following you, Rashid. Okay, so one of the biggest things that I've learned about these unresolved issues is that they are a product of our stress response is what it's been referred to. And I've also referred to the stress response. And it's the same thing, stress response or the fight or flight mechanism. Um, so what happens is of course, and I'll, I'll go over it again mm -hmm. because I think I've shared this with the audience before, but in that fight or flight response, your body and your psyche is responding to a threat. It's the perception of a threat that's going on. So in prehistoric times, what happened when we had a threat going on was that the body prepared itself by shifting the blood away from your your inner cavity and pushing it out to your extremities and this would allow you enough strength and energy to be able to fight or to run away so you know it's often referred to as you know our predecessors being forced faced with a saber-toothed tiger and they needed to run you know to protect themselves and this is a it's a physical response, but it's a physiological response as well, because the mind is perceiving. Remember, it's perception. Mm -hmm. So in this threat perception, you know, when you prepare for fight or flight, what also happens is your body starts to release cortisol and stress hormones. And it locks you into a, a mental state as well. You get in this mental state of, of heightened alertness. Um, heightened vigilance. So you're, you're able to see what's going on. You're aware, you're alert, and now you're making a choice to do something. Now, one of the things about it in this hyper alertness and this, you know, uh, hyper vigilance, hyper aroused state, 
you're in a high beta frequency, meaning um, this is your highest, well, not your highest, but this is one of your highest cognizant alert brainwave frequencies. And so beta also, by virtue of what it is, it deals with kind of perceiving your outer world. So your outer world becomes more of a precedent or, or more of a priority to you than your inner world when you're in beta frequency. And that's why um, when I've spoken about your betas and your alphas and your theta frequencies, I've always mentioned that beta is a heightened alert state and the other states move you towards certain other abilities. Like in alpha, alpha is a lot better for learning and assimilating information and theta between low alpha and theta, you're more in your creative centers. And when you go down to delta, that is your body in restorative sleep repairing itself. So between alpha and theta, those are your low, low alpha um, and theta are your places where you start to move into creating. So um, saying all that to say that when you are perceiving a threat, it's your outer world that becomes more available to you. You become more fixated on what's going on outside of you. And those become the things that influence you. So when we think about um, threats that we receive, now things are different. So when I talk about that threat perception, that was the prehistoric times, right? Right. Now in current times, um, and we have had some of those types of threats that are along the same lines, like, you know, people who experience the different mass shootings or um, inner part or violence or whatever, you know, physical abuse and stuff like that. So you we do have the aptitude of experiencing those things. But what happens more often and more common is your more subtle stressors. And be they subtle or, you know, a lot more harmful, you're still producing the same response. It's still a perception of threat and you're still going through the same experience. So you're still releasing the stress, stress hormones and cortisol in your body, which, by the way, you need to burn that off somehow, be it exercise or whatever it may be. It needs to be burned off or else it becomes toxic in your inner environment. And this is part of what leads to sickness and health concerns, just that excess toxicity of acidic um, stress hormones being left unresolved. So at any rate, um, the more subtle things that we experience are things like um, things like being in, in traffic. And being stressed Ooh, out by traffic. We live in Atlanta, don't we know it? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I was just in traffic yesterday and it wasn't a good feeling. <laughs> but yeah, things like riding in traffic or bad work relations, trouble with our children, relationship problems, all of these things pr produce the same threat response. So even though it may not be a life-threatening condition, it's still producing the same threat and stress response. And so your body is doing the same thing. And, and that's just kind of how our brains have kind of evolved over time where they generalize different conditions to mean that 
this is a stressor to us. And it's, it's kind of like things that we do today. Um, many of us, we think back on our childhoods and all of a sudden we found how unhappy we become in our childhoods. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is we're kind of overgeneralizing in a lot of situations because maybe within certain years that we're able to recall, we can see that there were some issues, but clearly everyone's childhood wasn't so bad that they didn't have any happiness. But that's kind of what, you know, during a certain time, maybe it it meant more to you. And so you kind of think of, oftentimes we think of more bad than we do the good. It seems to register that way. But in all, you know, seriousness, when we kind of look back, we can look back at pictures and pictures can kind of conjure up times that we see to ourselves, wow, it wasn't that bad. Look at this picture when we were doing this as a family or this was, you know, where I found my joy and my happiness. And we just forget about the things that that really allowed us to be fulfilled or happy or experience joy because it's easier to remember and to cite a time of negativity or unhappiness. For some reason, that's just how our, our minds work. And and so, Rashid, even though in today's society, we may just be experiencing traffic or, like you said, a difficult co-worker or, you know, a single mom with children, people's perspective is still more on the outside. Well, it's so what happens is when we're having those stressful experiences, it's just causing the stress response to kick in. Okay. And, and the stress response is our body's um, acknowledgement of a threat. So in essence, what we could say is, is that we live under perpetual threat because we're stressed out all the time. Hmm. And so that's what it's telling your body. It's telling your psyche there is a threat. There's, an, uh, there's a threat always available, whether it's, you know, maybe you got up and you forgot to do something and now you're behind in your preparation for getting ready for work. So now you can't have breakfast. So now you're hungry. You got to be driving in traffic, hungry. You know, you know, you won't get lunch till a certain time. So now you're aggravated and your the stress response is kicking in all over again. And it could be any number of different things that cause us to experience that threat, excuse me, that stress, but it's being perceived as a threat. And when there's a threat, the body kicks in certain things. And, and so how does that impact? I'm going to let you get how does that, all of that impact us manifesting our dreams and living our best lives. So, so, okay. so what about all of the unresolved issues that are in our lives? So that's a great place to go now. So how does that impact us being able to resolve, excuse me, being able to be creators and attract and create the things that we desire? Um, so every day we have a certain amount of creative energy that we begin our day with. Um, and I've often referred to it as um I refer to that creative energy as being set like a thermostat. Mm-hmm. But let's say we have 100% of creative energy we start the day out with, potentially 100%. Now, remember, um, 
The average person thinks about 60,000 thoughts a day with only 10% of those being new thoughts. So, Oh, Lord. <laughs> so you got 60% of those same, excuse me, um, 54,000 of those same old thoughts. And what we do, what we've come to realize is that our thoughts create our moods, which create our uh, our emotions and our, excuse me, our thoughts create our emotions and our feelings, which create our mood. And we get in this feedback loop of, you know, having our mood to kind of reinforce our thoughts, mm-hmm. which, you know, reinforce those feelings and so forth. And so now we've got these thoughts that are playing in the backgrounds of our mind, just like, you know, a, um, a soundtrack of music. And it's the thoughts that are saying, you don't deserve, um, you should be angry. This is a problem. You know, we have a lot of those negative thoughts that are just playing in the backgrounds of our minds that are creating these moods. And more importantly, they are using up our creative energy. So if you need creative energy to be able to, you know, broadcast and send out a message to the universe or, you know, that creative energy uh, source that we know exists, then you're not able to use as much of it because you've got this amount dealing with your current morning stress, plus the unresolved things that, you know, you may be carrying from childhood, things like my parents didn't love me or I didn't get loved the way I wanted to, or my parents show favoritism or I should have been a good athlete or I should have gone to school and gotten a degree or whatever all of these different things are. These are things that are playing in the background of your mind. And now where you may have had the potential of a hundred percent of creative energy. Now you've broken that down to maybe 40 or 50%. So now it's the things that are unresolved that are using up your, your energy. Like a lot of us have iPhones and what I learned out, what I learned a couple of years ago with my iPhone is that you got these apps that are running in the background that are using up your your battery, your phone's battery. And so your phone doesn't, you know, it doesn't keep a charge as long. And that's kind of like what we're experiencing with these negative thoughts, these old unresolved issues is that they're running in the background and we don't have as much energy to use for creating as we should. And so that's how it impacts our creative potential. We may not have what we need to create because what we do know is that when it comes to making change and creating something new for ourselves, we have to get into a certain mental space, but it also requires a certain amount of energy. And if your energy is being depleted because you've got all of these apps running in the background that are using up your energy, then you're just not able to create in the manner that you would like to. Wow. That's, I, I love how you just so clearly painted that picture of the apps on the iPhone, you know, really yeah. draining energy. So, so what are some of the unresolved issues? I know you mentioned some and what, how can we begin to clear, clear them up? So, you know, it, it's going to be, of course, different for everyone. Right. But, you know, you can ask yourself, how do I feel today? 
And when you check in with yourself, get a feeling for how you feel and just kind of allow things to bubble up to your awareness and things kind of come to you. You know, you'll have a thought that'll come out of nowhere. Um, I was just, you know, I was talking with my wife yesterday and I was telling her that I've been thinking about my grandmothers, you know, because my, my grandmothers were very influential and making me who I am today. And so I was just telling her, you know, last couple of weeks, I've just been kind of, um, I don't know, these, these thoughts about my grandmothers have really been very present. And, you know, that's just a, a thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so not necessarily that there's anything wrong, but it's just that, you know, I started having that feeling of missing them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you get locked in these um, emotional states where you're not feeling happy or um, or fulfilled, it's taking away from your creative energy. So I had to take a look at those things and kind of turn that around and remember all of the great times versus allow myself to get in a place of depression or sadness because I can no longer speak to my grandparents, yeah. my grandma. So, I, I hear it in your voice. I, I could tell still how emotional and how important that is to you. And I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, you know, the women in my life have, have always been important for me. So they yeah. kind of built me up. So so what about trauma? Uh, you know, because you and I both work in the field And so we know that any kind of trauma, it can be your mama left you or your mama was killed when you were three years old or you grew up in an alcoholic home or your mother was mentally ill, but was emotionally unavailable. What about all those kind of trauma uh, issues, um, Rashid, that impact our ability? Because remember, listeners, the whole thing is we want to clear this stuff up so that we can live our best lives and manifest our dreams. Yeah. So trauma is one of the um, worst culprits. Mm. Trauma and stress, um, they kind of go hand in hand. They're distant relatives. Um, So trauma is a type of damage to the mind that occurs kind of like as a result of a a tough event or distressing event. So when you experience Mm -hmm. a trauma, it's so overwhelming well, let me let me step back a, a, a little bit. So one of the biggest, one of the biggest and most um, used, or one of the things that our our minds do the most is it filters information. The the filtration process goes on second by second, and so during the trauma, during excuse me, during the filtration process. What it's doing is it's receiving the input from our um, environment and it's taking the input, the data bits that's coming in from our sight, sound, smell, touch, taste, and it's filtering and filing away these different bits of data, these experiences or whatever they may be. They get filed away. They get by and they get filed away by either deleting, generalizing or distorting. So I won't get into that. I'll just say that Mm -hmm. that is the filtration process. Now, when you experience a trauma, what happens is the event is so overwhelming to the senses that 
your brain didn't have a chance to interpret it so that it could foul it away. So it didn't get properly filtered. And so it's like if all of our experiences are cataloged away in a data file in a room in our brain, this particular trauma, what happens is that file just spilled all over the floor in that room. Wow. So you you don't you're not able to make sense of it. And as a result, so, you know, the things that we know about trauma, um, there are things like um, unwanted memories, um, Mm -hmm. distressing dreams, um, feeling like the situation is happening over and over again and being in that moment, even though it's already over, Um, being hypervigilant, hyperaroused, then you start to do stuff like having avoidant behavior. Like you try to avoid the memories, avoid the thoughts or the people who may have, you know, caused this situation. Um, You may have, you may start to develop negative beliefs about yourself as a result of it. Like um, something is wrong with you or now you can't be happy or you don't deserve happiness. You know, so you start to because of something that happened to you, now you've created a belief about yourself that is unfounded. But because it's, you know, based in trauma, it doesn't have to be founded because the traumatic experience by virtue of how it happened, it bypassed your critical thinking. When you have the experience of trauma, your your frontal lobe kind of goes offline. And we know the frontal lobe is the executive functioning of the brain. It helps you make decisions and interpret things and helps in, you know, that executive functioning. So when there's trauma and stress, it's just kind of short circuiting, blinking in and out. So because of the trauma, you didn't critically analyze what was going on or what may have happened. And now it's just something that becomes a part of you. So you start to blame yourself or you might blame someone else. Um, you get real fear based and, you know, feelings like fear, horror, anger, guilt, shame. All of those things become a part of you because you've been traumatized. And we can go on and on about trauma. But let me make a statement about that, because I know so many men and I forgot what the stats are, you know, who went through the trauma of sexual molestation. And, you know, for a man, women do, too. But but for a man, men don't share that. They hold it in. They are traumatized by it. Uh, you know, and, and, and everything that you're, there's shame or there's so much shame around it. They feel responsible. And so what happens is many times, you know, Tyler Perry came out and talked about his trauma. Common, the rap singer came out and talked about his trauma. But what they said was it impacted their ability to be successful. They would have dreams about it because it's going to come up through that subconscious mind. Because like you said, it was so traumatic. They've been in deep denial. And like you said, it's in that room all over the floor. And so people who've experienced that really need to get healing so that they can manifest and live their best life. Absolutely. Um, it, you know, people who have experienced trauma, they, they kind of feel 
oftentimes they feel so um, alone or, yeah. you know, abandoned or, you know, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they feel like that this is something that they're experiencing that other people can't relate to. And that's just kind of the nature of the beast when dealing with trauma. And so one of the, you know, one of the most important things is acknowledging that you're dealing with trauma. That's like kind of like the first step, mm -hmm. kind of like an AA, you know, the first thing yeah. is acknowledging that there's a problem. And so you have to acknowledge. And that's one of the things that, you know, I like to help people do is that sometimes you can have an idea of maybe, you know, something might be going on. You might not quite remember, but, you know, I, I, I help. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about this at the end of the show, but I've got some some tools and inventories that can help people kind of figure out Walk whether or not those things. Yeah. Yeah. And and so what else can people do? Because we all have had our unresolved issues. Uh, that's really taken up, like you said, I love the way you phrase it, that percentage of our creative and manifestation brain. What can people begin to do to begin to move out of that? What would that look like? So one of the best things that people can do is, you know, first acknowledge that there may be something going on. And then secondly, um, so when, when I talked about trauma and I talked about, you know, how it, creates his heightened alertness mm -hmm. and indulgence into the outer world. So we have to find out how to indulge that inner world, that creative world. So one of the things is something as simple as deep breathing. Um, something that's simple. Something as simple as deep breathing. So here's what deep breathing does. So when we talk about trauma, right? And we talk about the fact that it's threat perception. You, you, we're walking around constantly with this feeling and constantly with triggers and physiological responses that are telling our psyche that we're not okay. Things aren't okay. We're under threat. So when you do deep breathing, what happens is deep breathing slows everything down. And if you if if you've ever seen the natural the nature shows where the gazelle is being chased by the lion, and this time the gazelle didn't get eaten, right? So the gazelle won in this particular situation. And so what the gazelle does is now that the threat is gone, it takes its time and it goes over and it starts back foraging and feeding and just doing what it normally does at ease and at peace. And so the breathing, what happens physiologically now is that the breathing slows down and the body starts to feel a sense of, of ease and, and peace and no threat. And so now what's being reinforced and what's being sent to the psyche and the consciousness is now a message that you are okay. Mm. And that's one of the biggest things we experience in society is we walk around feeling like we're not okay so long that it mm. becomes a part of us. So you need to be able to send these signals back to yourself saying, hey, I'm OK. The threat is gone. And so that's what deep breathing does. It allows you to physiologically have a part in an exercise that allows you to, to return and restore the ease to yourself physiologically and to your consciousness and send a signal of 
okayness. I'm okay. It's okay. Wow. What else can people do, Rashid? That is so powerful. I was doing my deep breathing as you said that, and I was just so, it's so relaxing. Another thing we could do, of course, um, I'm a big proponent of meditation and just meditation in the sense of, um, and I'll say meditation for those who are able to meditate and yoga for others, which they are, they're both kind of, you know, the same, but, or they get the same results. It's just that some people are more oriented towards being able to sit and be still for periods of time whereas others are more active. And for the more active people, I recommend yoga because you're still finding a sense of the the rigors of the exercises and the things you do cause you to be able to focus. Um, They cause you to shift into a mental space that you really have to use your attention and your focus. And more importantly, you shift out of the stress. So meditation and yoga are two very good ways of doing that. And then I have a, uh, a daily prescription that I, I give people, I say five times a day, um, look for something that gives you a feeling of happiness in your day. And then five times a day, either find or create a moment of gratitude. Mm. So it's 10 things that you should be doing that are positive every day. Now, if you can't find something that made you feel happy, during the day, for however many you're short on those five, just put those, at those two, that needs to be that many more moments that you either find or create for gratitude. So at the end of the day, if you couldn't find anything in your day to be happy about, and you couldn't find a moment of gratitude, then create 10 particular times during your day that you stopped and you created thoughts of gratitude. If it's just simply saying, I am grateful for this moment and be in that moment. Wow. Gratitude and happiness. Wow. So so gratitude and happiness. So are you saying that people who have a lot of stuff going on, inner issues, that if they would begin to do, you know, just those three things that you shared, that that would begin to um, clear up those unresolved issues? Well, it it will begin to help you to create peace Mm -hmm. so that when you go to work on those unresolved issues, it won't take as much of your energy. So let's think about it like this. Okay. When you're happy, your body produces endorphins, oxytocin and dopamine. And all of those are the natural chemicals and hormones in your body that reinforce the feelings of happiness and excitedness and, and the pleasure principles. And so the more that you can create this in your body, the more you begin to um, set a baseline where that becomes more normal than other things. So you're kind of shifting out of the negative, um, unhappy space and shifting more into a space where your norm is more tending towards happiness, pleasure, excitement, and that's that's a big thing because when you're doing that now you're adding back to your creative reserves wow you know that is such good news for listeners because i think so many times people think that they have to do 
an hour or, or two. So happiness and, you know, just being peaceful and grateful are big. You know, I heard something the other day, Rashid, and they did a study of people who were sick in the hospital and they had some kind of computer that was measuring it. But but they made people laugh, you know, like ha, 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 mm-hmm. just like that. And they found out that the brain could not discern the difference between a real laugh and just like a made-up laugh. Mm. But then as time went on, the people who were saying ha, 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 they really started laughing. But to the brain, there was no difference because that first initial laugh was the brain said, oh, they're happy. And it got aligned with that happiness. That's amazing. That is amazing. Uh-huh. But it just, it, it really reinforces the fact that, you know, we've been designed in such a beautiful and such an elegant fashion that we have more at our disposal to help us to create and to be who we want to be. Because, you know, you create who you, you create by virtue of who and what you are. And so the concept is to, if, if you want to create something, you have to be it first. And that's the importance of changing your inner game, changing your inner intelligence and changing your inner experiences so that you become that on the inside. And again, your brain isn't going to be able to tell the difference between fiction or reality. When you start to create this on the inside, just like with, you know, the the um, placebo effect, the placebo effect is based off of this this expectation. So when people are receiving placebos in clinical trials, what will happen is the doctor will tell them that, hey, um, this is you. You're part of a trial and you may possibly receive a drug. And what this drug does is it helps you create these chemicals and blah, blah, blah. And so. What it's showing you is that it's giving you the possibility of receiving something that then it's telling you what it should do for you. So it's creating some meaning and it's creating a possible outcome for you so that you start to psychologically develop expectant behavior. So now you have you've got some meaning to what could happen. And now you have this expectant behavior that, okay. Well, maybe I am getting it. And if I do, then I should be expecting this type of behavior. Um, I should be expecting this type of of output or this type of result from the medicine. And so it's kind of like, in a sense, that's the, the, the same thing I'm doing with this prescription for this daily gratitude and happiness. If you can condition yourself to look for moments, and maybe you have to create them first, but if you can condition yourself to look for moments of gratitude and happiness, then you become more oriented for gratitude and happiness. So your days start to change now mm-hmm. and you're not so down and so low in your mood. But now your mood is is, is kind of increased and expanded because now you have these you're creating these feelings that cause your body to release, pro, excuse me, produce and release these endorphins, oxytocin and dopamine. And these are the, 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 the body's own drugs 
You, wow. you have a pharmacy within. You create these drugs that make you feel that way. So when you start to look for those moments or when you create them and then begin to look for them in your experience, that reorients you. That's powerful. You know, and just like when I was reading the poem and the part that says, it isn't my fault or I'm helpless or I'm lost. So when people started start doing just these three things that we talked about, it takes them away from that victim mentality. Right. And they're really yes. creating in their own personal creative energy space. Yes, it's self-empowering, which is something that, you know, we've been divinely oriented and created with. You Power. can empower yourself. Yes. So what else you want to share? We got about five minutes. We didn't have we don't have enough time. This is <laughs> So what else would you like to share with listen? Have you used this yourself or yes. I, I know you talked about your you know, you were thinking about your grandmother. Share with listeners how else have you used this and it has helped you to kinda help you to deal with some unresolved stuff and and uh, uh really created more room for that creative energy. Yes, so I, I, I kind of calibrate my mood frequently. Um, one of the things that I, I do um, for the happiness thing is, and it's very something very, very simple. Most of us have smartphones. And so what I tell people is, and I don't know if we can, I hope this isn't a violation of any type of copyrights or anything, but one of the things I tell people, it shouldn't be, I tell people to load Pandora on their phones and a couple times a day, five, six times a day, um, well, first of all, low Pandora and find your favorite comedian and put them as as your um, playlist and five or six times a day, go in for a couple of minutes and listen to your favorite comedian and get a hearty laugh. And that creates a feeling of happiness that you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And so when you got that happiness, oh, it, it it just changes the complexion of your day because now you know, where you might not have been feeling your best, like happiness just kind of, you can't be happy and sad at the same time. You can't have a positive feeling and a negative feeling at the same time. And what is said is that there are like 1300 chemicals that are released when you're having a negative experience, one negative experience. Wow. But when you have one positive experience, you release a minimum of 1400 chemicals that are positive. So happiness is going to trump negativity in your body every time if you just put yourself in that space. And, and so really, Rashid, it boils down to, once again, going back to that poem, that person had to make a decision. I'm sick and tired and sick and tired of falling in that hole. Mm -hmm. And then they made a decision one day, I'm going down another street. And yep. so listeners can begin to make a decision. I, 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 I'm not going to, I don't have to live like this. I'm a powerful creator. And they're really creating their being when they choose to be grateful and happy. And the brain, what is the brain doing when they do that? Is, is it saying, oh my goodness, we're going to be happy? Or what is it oh, doing? The brain gets excited when you're in those states of happiness and, and, and gratitude. You create more gray matter. Your neurons fire better. Um, it 
it creates more energy and more uh, electricity in the brain and less calcification. So, you know, kind of like firing on all cylinders. Wow, that's powerful. Well, you know, this has really been, this has been powerful. And for listeners, you know, I don't know what your current circumstance is today, but we all can do what Rashid has shared. Any other last minute tip you want to leave with our listeners, Rashid? Yeah, just the, like I said, that prescription for happiness and gratitude five times a day, looking for a feeling of happiness in your day and five times a day finding or creating a moment of gratitude. And if you can't find it, create it those times, you know, and find that happiness, you know, download your favorite music or your favorite comedian or whatever it may be. Just create these moments. You don't have to wait for them create them. And the more you have that experience, the more you'll see it being um, more, more copious in your daily experience. I love that. And so for, I know you around a lot of people with men, mental issues and going through a lot, but even if people are, you know, let's just say might be feeling a little depressed or a little whatever, just implementing these small things will help to move them out of that state of consciousness. Would you say so? Yes, yes. Absolutely. I mean, these are the these are the things that we, we use as interventions, you know, to help them manage their mood, mood regulation. So, yes. You know, I remember I was coaching this lady. Her husband died and, and they had been married for 30 years. And I can't even begin to imagine how traumatic that was for her. But he had been deceased for two years and she was still moping. So she came to me. And I said, um, I said, okay, because she was a great cook. I said, so this is this is what I want you to do. I said, once, twice a week, I want you to bake some cookies and take it to uh, your next door neighbor because she had lived in that neighborhood for 30 years and knew everybody. And I want you to just talk to them and know that when you take them, those cookies, you are bringing life to them. I'm paraphrasing that. Mm -hmm. And so the next time she came back to me, she, I said, how is it going? She said, oh, I'm really loving it and I'm getting reacquainted with my neighbors. And I had her to keep on doing that. And so she missed her appointment and I called her. I think I, I said, Miss Jones, uh, this is Constance Arnold. You missed your appointment. She said, oh, Constance, I'm having such a good time and my life has changed and I'm <laughs> I'm playing bridge and and yada, yada, yada. And I told her, I said, you, you, you're fine. You don't have to come back and see me because just bringing that joy to other people by taking them cookies, she, she became joyful. She reconnected with her neighbors. She became a part of a bridge club. All kinds of things happened to her just because of that simple, I'm going to call it a shift in consciousness. Yeah. Nothing the work but the is done. It is. So, Rashi, tell people about your your coaching. Any coaching specials that you have? Uh, you know, sometimes I take I say it takes a man to know another man. Sometimes it takes a man to coach another man. Uh, I I refer some men, not all of them. If I feel like they would uh, do better with the male coach, I'll refer them to some of my male friends. So share with listeners about your coaching or any other services, your books, your websites, etc. Okay. So my website is www.mentalinfinity.com. 
Um, and my books are there. What I have on a special now was the, the assessment for trauma and mm. the um, revealing of stress in your in your life. So we do a uh, about a 20 minute assessment, 20 to 30 minutes, just depending on how quickly we can move through it. But we do a 20 to 30 minute assessment of trauma. And what we do is we break down some things to help the individual work on. Um, and that's, uh, I think that's a $29.99 investment, but callers can, um, reach out to me at www.mentalinfinity.com and on the, um, the page that is the contact page, just request the assessment, um, and send that to me and I'll respond to them. Um, and then if they would like to work further, um, we have a, a deep dive into stress and trauma that we'll, we can discuss, you know, moving beyond that point. But this is kind of the initial stages. And truly, like these things that I've shared, these are really some of the same things that I share with my, my clients and stuff. So I'm giving out the goods, like, but... Oftentimes people need a little more. Sometimes things get a little deeper for them yeah. and they need more help. And I am, you know, clinically qualified to provide that type of help. So, well, he is clinically qualified and I trust him implicitly. Uh, he's a man of integrity. He knows his stuff. Uh, he's a hypnotherapist and uh, he's very detailed. And, you know, the way you explain stuff, Rashid, I'm like, okay. How come I can't say it like that? And uh, so you guys, I mean, this is an opportunity for you to invest in yourself. Invest oh, in yourself. Go ahead, Rashid. Mm -hmm. One other thing. Um, a quicker way of reaching me is actually sending an email to coach at mentalinfinity.com. That's mental, M-E-N-T-A-L, infinity, I-N-F-I-N-I-T-Y.com. That's powerful. Well, you have blessed us today. I thank God for you being in my life. Hey, even though we rarely see each other in person, we live in the same city. But I'll forgive you for that, Rashid. And uh, <laughs> you have to take me out for my birthday, uh, which, okay. is, which is in November. So I think we've Our seen each other are... in the same month. Yeah. Right, I'm, right. I'm, I'm the eighth. So we're not. <laughs> I'm You're the seventh. The seventh. Yeah. Okay. We got to do something. Uh, God bless you. I just thank God for you being in my life. Everybody remember to visit my website at fulfillingyourpurpose.com. And as I say every week, you may not know it or feel it, but you are surrounded by, supported by, uh, empowered by a loving, caring spirit. And I want you to think and say this week that uh, the best is yet to come in your life. Expect it and look for it. Thank you for listening to Think, Believe, and Manifest. Constance Arnold will be back next week with another great show just for you. For more information, please visit fulfillingyourpurpose.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -ch
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.